Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. We've got a really interesting show today. I've got Dr. Michelle Pocorny, and she serves as an adjunct professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. She teaches doctoral classes on spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, and soul care. After finishing her master's degree in Christian education, Michelle worked for an international organization focused on bringing hope and healing to some of the darkest areas of the world. Michelle's doctoral work focused on burnout and soul care among leaders, and her passion is to help men and women thrive rather than just survive in their daily life and work. Michelle is married to Mark, and their hobbies include traveling, exercising, enjoying food and laughter with friends and family, and they have an active toddler, Alexander, who's turning three next Tuesday. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, in burnout, I can't tell you. I used to hear the term stressed out a lot. Uh-huh. And in the last year, it's really shifted from stressed out to burnt out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had I've had teenagers tell me they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about burnout, and this is something that you've kind of, in a conversation we had earlier, you said, you know, I've danced around burnout for a long time. How That's did right. your dance get started? <laughs> that is a great question and something I'm still exploring, honestly. Um, you know, some of it has to do just with the culture that we live in. I think that we are in a do more, be more, have more culture. And so that pressure um, often can consume us in a way that drives us to overwork, drives us to emotional exhaustion. And so I just had this pattern in my life of dancing around burnout um, where I would be overcommitted, um, saying yes to too many things and too many people. Um, And some of that was because I'm a people pleaser, and so I wanted to please people. And in the process, I just almost burned out several times and so um, decided for my doctoral work that hey, I know this isn't something that's just I'm struggling with. A lot of people struggle with this. And so I wanted to study it on a more deep level and especially to look at our daily habits and practices and how those things impact whether we feel like we're surviving or whether we feel like we're thriving. Well, there's a big difference between surviving and thriving, that's for sure. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So, you know, when you say surviving, I think in the last two years, we all have been kind of pushed to that state because of the quarantine, because of job loss, because of economic loss, because of fear. I mean, the psychological impact of the quarantine is going to be with us for many years after we get past this. Yes, I totally agree that the pandemic has really been kind of a breeding ground, I feel like, for burnout um, because of those factors that you mentioned. And that's just been amplified, um, especially as it's drug on. You know, when you think that there's no end in sight, then it that could really have an exhausting impact on us. Well, um, and, and because, you know, when I think of burnout, I just think just that it's over. There's no hope, you know. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and we can't go there. We absolutely mm-hmm. can't go there. But mm-hmm. it, 
I think that burnout is is different than stress. Do you? Yes. Yes, I totally do. They're related, definitely. But um, to get into just the technical definition of burnout, it's a multifaceted condition that's comprised of three primary aspects. The first aspect is emotional exhaustion, which just means you're so depleted that you don't have much to give anymore. Your resources are truly tapped out. And so this is where stress can really come into play, is in that emotional exhaustion piece. But the second aspect of burnout is depersonalization. And this goes two ways. This means you're detaching yourself from your work where you put less energy into it, you're less invested in it, as well as you're depersonalizing the people around you where you're seeing them as tasks rather than just people. So that's the second aspect. And then the third aspect is a sense of reduced personal accomplishment, just an overall sense of ineffectiveness which can lead to feelings of inadequacy or failure, which can contribute to emotional exhaustion. So you kind of see how this cycle can really get you in a deep hole pretty quickly. Absolutely. So do you think that, I mean, when I, I've seen some research that thinks that, you know, most on the, in the general population, we all experience some level of burnout but uh-huh. I think the study said less than 40 of those experienced high levels of burnout. Do you think that's mm-hmm. changed in the last couple of years? I do think it's changed in the last couple of years. It's interesting. Just, just the other day, I saw a quote of the Dallas Morning News about um, healthcare workers. And it was saying something on the lines of, um, you know, they're there, they're physically doing their tasks, but you can see it in their eyes that their heart is not in it anymore. And that doesn't mean that they have less compassion or empathy. It might mean to some degree that they do, but they are just so worn out because burnout happens when there is an imbalance of demands on us and the resources available to meet those demands. And so you look at the last two years, that's teachers, that's healthcare workers, that's parents who are trying to juggle having kids come from school and sometimes they're home and sometimes they're not and do we wear masks and just all of those things. Um, we definitely in the last two years have have experienced on a probably corporate or collective level burnout. Well, when you say burnout, I think of emotional, I think of physically being fatigued, but I think more of emotional fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. Um, when you look at the contributing factors and look at the just the warning signs of burnout, um, so many of them have an emotional component to them. And most of us are in that first dimension that I mentioned of emotional exhaustion where we're still functioning, but we're not feeling fully alive. We're not thriving. Um, And because of that, because of some of these big emotions that may be contributing to us, we almost get numb sometimes and lose our zeal for life. And that can be a very hopeless feeling. Um, So I, I think you're right that there's definitely this huge emotional component in addition to the physical component of burnout. Well, you know, if I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything and I'm working really, really hard, that is extremely fatiguing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sure is. So let's let's talk a little bit about the difference between stress and burnout, because okay. a, a lot of times people, you know, I've said, oh, you mean you're stressed out? No, I'm burnout. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think clearly people do see some differences. 
What are the biggest yes. differences you see? I, well, burnout to me is a very prolonged period of stress. And so, you know, we have different stressors that come into our lives day to day. I mean, that is, that is just life. But burnout is when you've been under this intense period of stress and pressure for such a long time that you, you're just really tapped out. And so, you know, stress in short bursts is a good thing. You know, it, it can help us. It, it's preserved the human race for generations, and stress can help us perform at a peak level. Um, it alerts us to things when we uh, need to be alerted to, say, a car coming our way. Um, but the type of stress that leads to burnout is this prolonged sense of chronic stress that can really, and this is getting into your area of expertise, can really change our brains, change the way we function um, to where we're not able to handle those little stressors quite as well as we would have been when we were in a more thriving state. Well, you know, it's interesting because what I see in my clients, those that are stressed out, they tend to go more towards being anxious. And mm. those that are burnout, they tend to go more towards depression. That makes total sense. Yes. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think when, you know, when you start to detach and you had mentioned that earlier, that right. anytime you start to detach and pull back, that means, mm -hmm. you know, if you've got that fight, flight or freeze and to me, mm -hmm. anxiety is when you're in that fight or flight and depressions when you're in that freeze. You just want to mm -hmm. lay on the floor, get in that fetal position, get a blanket and just stay there. Right. Right. Like you mentioned before, it, it's a, it can be a hopeless feeling. And so when you're hopeless, that's definitely more of a sign of depression rather than anxiety. Um, there was a study that was done. I, I can't remember how long ago, but. It said 90% of respondents with severe burnout also are dealing with depression. And so the two are closely related. They're not the same thing. They're not the same issue, but they are so closely related. They, they really are. And, and I mean, I kind of see like with stress, you kind of get that sense of urgency, you know, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And mm -hmm. with burnout, it's like, eh, you know, right. I don't have the time. I don't have the ideals. I don't have the motivation. Right. So, you start to be different. Yeah. As, as much as I think they're alike, I think they're really different because, and with stress, when I see people, I see it affects them more physical, but with burnout and just based on my, you know, my clinic, it's usually more emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely true. So what are some warning signs that people can look for? I mean, do, do you start off with stress and then do you go to burnout? Is that the way it rolls? Often, yeah, because as I mentioned before, it's, it's this prolonged sense of stress that we have and feeling of overwhelmed that can lead to um, those more hopeless feelings. But, but physically, we do often see it in our bodies first. Often our body is the first indicator that something's off where you just have difficulty sleeping, it's hard to unwind, yet you're often feeling fatigued. Um, and sometimes our body can even get addicted to the adrenaline that comes with stress, but that has some negative consequences after a while, obviously. And so stress-related health issues, headaches, stomach cramps, et cetera, um, that can be a physical manifestation of burnout, having a lack of energy for tasks or for play, um, and then you often people start to kind of self-medicate through 
poor eating habits, getting too much sleep, things like that. That's that's kind of their way of dealing with it because they just do not have the emotional reserve to do something different. Um, and unfortunately, that's very true. Yeah, unfortunately, sleep and time off won't fully fix the burnout problem. I think it can help certainly, um, but it won't fix the problem. So that's a physical warning sign. Um, mentally, I'm mentally, sorry. Did you want to yeah. Comment? No, okay, actually, we were going down the same road. Okay, great. Um, mental warning signs, just being easily distracted, finding it hard to concentrate, not being able to think straight, and even maybe having increasingly drastic thoughts like, okay, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm just going to leave this relationship or whatever it is, just, just kind of wanting to escape. Um, obsessively thinking or ruminating about difficulties because there's, there's a difference between reflecting on a problem and ruminating on a problem. And when you're ruminating on a problem, that just leads to anxiety, whereas reflecting on a problem can lead you to solutions. But when you're in the state of burnout, it's, it's really hard to think in terms of problem-solving solutions. Um, other mental signs are just forgetting normal things that you normally wouldn't forget, like birthdays or appointments. And then just the sense that my brain feels tired. <laughs> That's something I, I have experienced often is just feeling like my brain hurts because I, I just feel tired. Well, you know, when, you're, when your brain gets really tired, I've had clients that kind of use, they're looking for an escape. So mm-hmm. maybe they kind of develop this little fantasy world in their brain where they can go. Um, yeah. And I'm sure on some level that can be beneficial. But when that gets exaggerated mm-hmm. and when it's where we run and hide, then it's not productive. Right, right. Yeah, people can get well, stuck. Well, yeah, but this is a question I have. This is something I've always kind of wondered about. Do mm-hmm. you think that, you know, some of us are perfectionists? Everything, mm-hmm. all or nothing thinking, you know, mm-hmm. um, things have just got to be perfect. And and I've learned the hard way that perfectionism does not exist. Mm-hmm. It's, and it comes from setting way too high expectations for ourselves. Do you yes. think that's a factor that contributes to burnout? Yes, that's a huge factor that contributes to burnout. Um, there's these expectations that we feel, there's, and there's outside expectations that happen, the expectations that other people put on us. But what is more, I feel like, harmful when it comes to burnout is these internal expectations that we put on ourselves, being an overperformer, when we're constantly giving it all we've got, we eventually tap out. And so perfectionism, there's a difference between pursuing excellence and pursuing perfection. And it's so interesting you bring that up because I was just thinking about that this morning. And this is kind of a silly example, but you can see how perfectionism can really get deep into people's lives and into their psyche. Um, I'm hosting a baby shower coming up. And so for the past probably three weeks, I have been almost obsessive about my house, like seeing every single piece of decoration that seems like it's from the 80s and wanting to get that updated and things like that. And so it's like I have completely lost focus here where this shower is about to be celebrating the baby. It's not about my house. <laughs> and so just looking at that from, a, from an idea of perfectionism, 
you know, we can, we can hit things out of the park, hit the ball out of the park. And whether you hit the ball out of the park just a couple inches or by miles, you've still hit it out of the park. And so there's this difference between pursuing excellence, which is hitting out the ball out of the park, and pursuing perfection. And so I try to really use some of those questions as a guidepost for myself. Like, am I pursuing excellence or am I pursuing perfection? Is this about me and, in this case, of my house? Is it about my house and how that looks and impresses other people? Or is it about the true goal here, which is celebrating my friend and her upcoming baby? Um, so I, I hope that's helpful <laughs> as we're talking about perfectionism. Well, you know, it is. And I think there there is some differences. I mean, many of us, there's a skill. I'm in the middle of a doctorate program. I want mm-hmm. to master APA format. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And I'm going to have to master APA format, but mm-hmm. you know, so there's a there's a difference in how we look at getting it just right. And right. I think with with burnout, if we're never happy with ourselves, if we continue to look for measurements that that we can't find, I can mm-hmm. definitely see how how that is going to contribute. You know? Right. Yeah. So we've I've talked to. to go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was just going to say that's that's part of the deeper journey that comes in of the heart. You know, what what is behind our doing and our drivenness and our ambition? Um, am I a chronic overperformer, overperchiever? And often these are just identity issues, um, dealing with those big questions of life of where does my value come from? Where's my significance? Is what I do and my contribution to the world, are those things significant? Um, and so I just, it's a very, great question you've asked that really gets to the heart of burnout I feel like in lots of ways what are some of the symptoms that you see in people to people because what I've seen in my clinic is they don't always see it until they're just knee deep in it right yeah that's what exactly right for well we talked about some of the physical signs already and then some of those mental signs of just having that tired brain and thinking about difficulties without being able to come to solutions, um, being emotionally numb, yeah. having a difficult time rejoicing with other people or mourning with other people. Um, one big sign for me is, has it been a while since I've laughed really hard? And so, uh, because laughter, you know, just helps bring balance and levity to life. And if it's been a long time since you've laughed really hard, then, then that can be a sign that you're knee deep into some stress. Um, being easily ticked off might be something else to look for. I know that whenever I, when my burnout level is giving a little bit higher than I want it to, I, I find myself snapping at my spouse more, having less patience with my toddler, um, you know, wanting to do something mean to the person in the driving lane that cuts me off or whatever. So, um, you just, your fuse gets shorter as, as your sense of burnout and feeling overwhelmed with life gets greater. Well, it's so funny that you said that about, you know, the person that cuts you off. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's amazing to me. Research says that we have three times more positive events in our life than we do negative. But what does the brain hold on to? The, that one person that cut you off. Right. I mean, and that's, it's, it's always so interesting to me because biologically, our brain is not that different today 
than it was mm-hmm. in the eat or be eaten days when mm-hmm. we walked out of that cave. But the bandwidth that our brain needs is just so drastically different. Right. And, you know, I mean, we have so many more things to pay attention to and to think about. And mm-hmm. I do think our fuse has gotten a whole lot shorter just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we live in a society where we're just constantly bombarded with information, whether that's from a screen or from, you know, whatever source that it is. And so this having a lack of complete downtime um, to give our brains time to rest, to give our emotions time to rest, because we're constantly bombarded with, with information um, that really isn't great for us in the long run. So in some ways, it's so wonderful that we can know in real time events that are happening. But in some ways, it's too overwhelming for our brains. Well, it definitely is. And there's a few studies that have been done in 2020 that show what all of this, the the intensity of the digital information coming at us, that puts our brain into an information processing overload. Mm -hmm. We just, it's exhausting. I mean, when you think about it. Our brain puts off enough energy to, to dimly light a light bulb. But mm-hmm. when you're switching back and forth from this to this to this, you're burning mm-hmm. through your energy really mm-hmm. quick. And right. at the end of the day or at the end of the hour meeting, no wonder you're just exhausted. No right. wonder you feel like, I just can't do this. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you realize, well, the quality of my work is being affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we tend to just get more down on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it can really be a negative cycle. And part of it is we we just in our day and age live with very little margin in our lives, and so with a constant full schedule and just living at almost a hundred percent capacity, rather than it's it's you know, healthier to live probably 80% capacity so that you have this 20% for margin for life's unexpected events that occur. Um, just this constant go, go, go that we have with the information overload really is tiring for us. And a definite well, contributor and burnout. The bad part is, is that we get to ourselves, we, we start thinking we should go, go, go. We need to go, mm-hmm. go, go. Right, right. That, yeah, oh that goes God. back to that internal, external pressure that we feel and experience just by living in this day and age. Well, and one area where that I see that's affected a lot with my clients is the relationships, you know, mm-hmm. with their friends and their family. They, you know, they just don't have it to give. And, yeah. I, you know, I have a client, well, my partner says that I just, you know, I'm, I'm not present. I'm not in the moment. And mm-hmm. my partner's right. Because I don't mm-hmm. have the energy to stay in the moment. Right, right. Where everyone feels like a task, another demand on you, rather than a life-giving relationship. And there are those people in our lives, certainly, that, that may take more from us than are able to pour into us. But hopefully all of us have this circle of people around us that, that do and nourish us. Um, but when you're in the state of burnout, you just don't have the energy anymore. And so you become more and more irritable and snappy with people close to you. You experience a lack of joy in your relationships, have more frequent conflict, which leads to more isolation, which furthers the problem. <laughs> so, oh, I think the, the social isol- being socially isolated is one of the biggest problems because yes. 
you know, you do that. And when you get that way, do you turn to social media? Are your interactions, is, are your relationships with the screen? Uh, what does that do to you? And right. to me, when you look, when you get on, and I'm not a social media girl, but a lot of people are, and it brings them great joy. But a mm-hmm. lot of people, it does not bring great joy because it it may it puts us in a comparative society. Right. Oh, and you're always going to find a better car or a better right. vacation. So mm-hmm. I think we we have to be careful with with how we compare. We've got mm-hmm. about three minutes before we go to break, and okay. we've talked a we've talked a lot about burnout, and we've talked about you know stress versus burnout. Is there anything about stress that we didn't say that you think it would be helpful for people to understand? Mm. Uh, Not directly related to stress, but just that burnout is a very holistic experience. And that is a difference, I I think. You know, stress can be kind of confined to certain stressors and how we handle that stress um, can certainly impact our sense of well-being and health. but, But burnout can be a more holistic experience where it impacts you physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, vocationally, um, almost every area. So as I mentioned before, it's a little bit deeper than just something that time off can help. Um, And you make a good point because when I get really stressed out, if I can just have a a carefree day, go grab the dogs, go for a walk or whatever carefree means to you know for me at the time go go get a good workout in then I'm mm-hmm. then I'm I'm kind of like okay I'm good I needed right. that but I'm good but with burnout you know I hear what you say you don't ever get that feeling you don't ever get mm-hmm. that I'm good you know mm-hmm. right. do you think that and this is a, a quick question do you think that I think a lot of people think being burnt out is it's a failure that means I'm failing Mm, but I'm so glad you asked that question because it doesn't mean that you're a failure or that you can't handle stress or pressure or anything like that. It simply means that you're a human being. And as a human being, you have limits. <laughs> so I, I'm glad you asked that question because I think that's so important to highlight that it's, it's not a, it does not mean you're a failure. It just means that you have limits. And we have to learn how to embrace those limits. Well, and we do, and but that's, you know, I've had so many people say, oh, I'm just a loser, mm-hmm. and don't, ter- don't term yourself a loser. Why do you feel like that way? Well, mm-hmm. I'm just, whatever I do, it's not enough, or whatever I have to give, it's it's not enough, and, mm-hmm. you know, with stress, it's almost like it's too much, um, and with burnout, it's almost like it, it it's not enough, and I'm yeah. wondering right now how many of our listeners are sitting there asking themselves, Am I burnt out or mm-hmm. am I stressed out? And mm-hmm. I hope that for those that feel like they are burnt out, they'll stay with us. And when we come back, we'll talk about what you can do to fight that burnout. Great. We'll be back. After these messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. 
According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. In celebration of what would have been author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl's 100th birthday, Oxford University Press has published the Oxford Roald Dahl Dictionary. The dictionary is both authoritative and a little bit mischievous and includes everyday words plus those invented by Dahl for his books. One of my favorite words from the dictionary is Zazimus. That is what the big friendly giant calls the stuff that dreams are made of, which he whisks with his magical egg beater. Roald Dahl loves the letter Z, which he uses in his mystical words like fizz-whizzing, zip-fizzing, and zunk. By now you might be feeling a bit biff-squiggled. That's another word for confused or puzzled. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back, and and we may have left a few of our listeners asking themselves the question, okay, I know I'm burnt out. Now, what do I do about that? And I think that's a great place to pick up the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll start this piece of it with a question for everyone to think about is um, when life gets hectic, when life gets stressful, what are some of the first things that I neglect in my life? And for example, whenever I get stressed um, or I'm in a season of intense busyness, often I neglect the very things that I need the most to nourish me, such as getting a solid eight hours of sleep a night and eating good food that nourishes me, getting some exercise for movement. Um, So it can be as basic as, as that, but often just looking at some of those things, like how do I handle life whenever it gets stressful and what can I do differently so that my day-to-day habits and practices that I have can help me thrive for the long haul rather than be in a state of dancing around burnout. That's that's a, a really good point that you make because we a lot of times I start my day every day just doing a little check-in. What do you need mm-hmm. today, Lee? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you feeling? If you're not, do you need to go mm-hmm. for a walk? Do you need to play with the dogs? Um, so just paying attention to what our needs are. And so many people feel like that's selfish. Well, I'm not going to check in with myself. I'm not going to ask myself how I'm doing. That's so selfish. And my response to that is, no, it's not. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Yes. Yeah, that's such a good point. And so much of this goes back to this issue of identity, goes back to these issues of self-awareness, um, embracing your limits. 
So for me, I had to start learning, okay, in order to function well, I do need like really closer to nine hours of sleep per night. Um, also, what energizes me? What depletes me? So say someone is at their job and they are burned out. If they can kind of look at their day-to-day tasks and realize, okay, this right here brings me joy and energy. This right here really drains me. So how can they build margin around those things that drain them? So maybe that's, you know, if they have a particular coworker that they are having a conflict with, how can they develop healthy conflict resolution skills with that? Um, or if there's some task that just is such a beat down, how can they reward themselves after that task is complete? Um, so just having a huge amount of self-awareness can really help um, in, in this foundational issue of identity, which is, a, like I mentioned before, just a hugely foundational idea um, with burnout. Well, with identity, there's, we all get torn in different ways, and mm-hmm. and we we all question ourselves, and we mm-hmm. work. I think we're all looking for for answers, but for for those that are really questioning their identity, because you work, you're, the field that you work in is very broad. How do you, mm-hmm. what suggestions or what advice do you have to for those? Yeah, these are the big questions of life, you know, looking at, am I significant? Does my contribution to the world matter? And I, I say to those people, yes, your work is significant. Yes, your work matters. Yes, you're contributing well to the world. Um, but those things don't define who you are. It's an expression of who you are. But often we get wrapped up into this idea of my work is who I am or my role as a mom or as a dad or as a husband or wife or whatever is who I am. And we're, we're a lot bigger people than that. And we're not defined by our success or our failure at work or in our relationships. Um, from where I come from, the position I spent, I'm a woman of faith. And I believe that everyone that walks this earth is a beloved child of God. And so that's where I encourage people to find their identity is in being inherently valuable and with inherent dignity because of them being created by God. Well, and we all deserve respect and, and we all have dignity. We just have to, sometimes we just have to slow down and find it. Yes, yes, that's very true. And recognizing when we're putting too much, um, like I can tell when whenever I have some sort of like failure at, at something, right? I think, oh, that just bombed or I wrote this paper and it, you know, I got a, not a great grade on it or or whatever it is. Um, if that, I mean, of course I can experience that disappointment and name that disappointment, but if that really rattles me so I can't bounce back from it pretty quickly, then I, I know that I'm putting too much identity in that sort of thing. And so how can I recognize that that is not, that is not define who I am. I'm much bigger than that. Well, let's say you do recognize that. Can you mm-hmm. reverse it? Can you undo the stress? Uh, sir, I think, so. well, tell me more about what you mean. I don't know if I'm understanding your question. <laughs> well, you know, you re- you recognize it that, and you're watching for the signs of burnout. You recognize that you're really stressed out. But mm-hmm. I think, I guess I'm. I, my opinion is you can reverse it because if you get help, if you yeah. get support, 
it, and it could right. be nothing more. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a counselor, but just a, a friend to help you, you know, process what's stressing you out, Lee. Mm-hmm. What do you know? How are you reacting in those situations? And I just think that that if we recognize it, then before we get mm-hmm. burned out, we can reverse some of it. Absolutely. Yes, I, I 100% agree with that. There's um, an author that I read a lot about just different issues of leadership. His name is Carrie Newoff, and he, he writes that the way through burnout, the way through burnout is through community. And so it is so important to be able to have people around us that we can process life with, that we can laugh with, that can remind us of perspective. Um, I find that whenever I'm overwhelmed by something, if I just simply name it and talk with it with a friend, that I walk away from that conversation often feeling like that problem is in its proper place, where it's not so big that it's overwhelming me, but it's in its proper place. And so we all have this just desire for connection. And people with strong social connection have stronger immune systems, longer lifespans, and a lot lower rates of anxiety and depression. But as we mentioned before, connection is harder to come by in our day and age, partly because of the fragmented lives that we leave where the people we work with are different than the people we worship with are different than the people we go to school with are different than our families and our neighborhoods. And so um, it just takes a lot of intentionality to have this core group of people around you. Well, and our, our ability to have community in the last mm-hmm. 20 months is, has changed dramatically. I'm uh, I'm amazed that, you know, when we first, when church came, first came back to being live, there were probably six people there. And mm-hmm. Christmas saw a nice little influx, but it's probably back to 15 now. And for yeah. some... Some people that, you know, that university, that church, that gym, when all the gyms closed down, right. that's your community. And when you lose that sense of community, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to know what to do. Right. Right. Absolutely. So it definitely takes some additional effort. I mean, but even small things can give us a sense of connection with others, such as doing a phone call. Just, you know, I think that's a lost art in our day of <laughs> texting. But simply calling somebody on the phone that you haven't talked to in a long time. The pandemic hasn't stopped that. And so the hard part with someone that is burned out, it's like, I don't have any energy to try to do these things, but I would encourage them make a phone call. I mean, really having people around you is one of the best ways to help you get out of burnout. And it's so possible to get out of burnout. Really it's an opportunity. And I want people to have that perspective about it, that it's, it does not mean you're a failure, as we talked about before. It's an opportunity to look at your life and see, how can I do life a little bit differently? Because we're designed to thrive. We're not just designed to be in survival mode all the time. We really can thrive, regardless of what life throws at us. So what I hear you say is step one is to have good relationships with people. And you don't have to have good relationships with 20 people. But just have a couple of people in your life that you have a good relationship with, that you can connect with, that you can touch down with, that you're comfortable enough where you're going to do that on a daily basis. Not maybe not daily, but weekly. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and utilize that. So that's step one. Mm-hmm. Tell me about step two. <laughs> yeah, that's a great step. 
Um, well, I'm not sure about the progression of steps, but another thing that I would really highlight is just this idea of, of rhythm. And when I'm talking about rhythm, I'm talking about having a healthy rhythm of work and rest because so many people, whenever they're in this state of burnout, they neglect their rest. Now, they may be oversleeping, but they're not doing things that are truly restful for them. And so to me, that's a broader category than just the physical sleep that we get. That's also, you know, having some hobby that we really enjoy that brings delight and balance to our lives, or maybe that's a creative outlet, or just doing those things that really nourish your soul, I think is so helpful. And so develop this idea of developing a healthy rhythm of work and rest um, goes back to biblical times, talking about six days of work, one day of rest. And so I do encourage people, whether they're a part of a faith tradition or not, but to consider taking a, a weekly Sabbath. And so having one day that's completely off and its focus is on what delights you, what nourishes you. Um, and a lot of times, hopefully, that includes other people in it as well. Maybe it's feasting with your family and enjoying a really good meal together, going out and throwing the frisbee, whatever it is, having, these are these things that we often neglect and put in a category of luxury when life gets stressful and hectic rather than this category of necessity, which is where I think it deserves to be. Um, So that's, I guess, step two would be looking at your life and developing a really healthy rhythm of work and rest. That also includes adding margin into your life, saying no to things. Um, one time a very wise woman told me, Michelle, anytime you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. So really take a hard look. What is this no that I'm saying no to? Is it something that's more valuable to, you, to me than the yes? <laughs> um, and so I think that's really good advice to to see, okay, by taking on this project, that means I'm saying yes to the project, but no to really good time with my family or whatever it is. Um, So just this idea of developing a healthy rhythm of work and rest. I love that. And I think that healthy rhythm starts with the rhythm that you have within. I mean, we all have self-defeating thoughts. We, yeah. you know, I call them ants, automatic negative thoughts. They go mm. through your brain so fast and furious. You really don't even know they were there. It's just all of a sudden you're mad or you're irritable mm-hmm. or you're upset. And I think, you know, to getting your own rhythm, being able to identify stuff and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? I was mm-hmm. great 15 minutes mm-hmm. ago. What mm-hmm. happened? And then, you know, getting in touch. Well, I had a little talk with myself and I used to have these two friends, the should and the must. Mm -hmm. And anytime they started talking in my head, they had two more friends, shame and blame. And I decided I didn't like any of those guys. They had to go. (laughs) Kick them out. Kick them out. And I replaced them with the coulds. You know, well, I could do that. And I think, and I noticed what a difference that made for me. Because when I say I could do it, okay, well, I'll stop and I'll evaluate. If I do it, what will happen? Oh, like that. Eh, but that, but oh, like that too. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, finding that internal rhythm is what will help you to get in in rhythm with with the rest of your environment, the other people in your life, the demands. 
And I yeah. love what you said about every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no mm-hmm. to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And I'm sure with a toddler, I can remember those days. It usually meant having less time for my family. And mm-hmm. for me, and I'm sure it is for you, that's one of the hardest things to give up. Mm-hmm. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, going back to stress, stress occurs often whenever where we're spending our time is not in line with our highest values and priorities. And so that plays in here too, as far as looking at my schedule and is the majority of my time spent with my highest values and priorities, or am I spending so much of it on things that aren't as meaningful to me? And so now we don't always have this luxury. I mean, we all have to provide for our families and things like that, but, um, but we do have a lot of choice over how we spend our time. And, this whole busyness idea and this way our society lives pretty out of whack when it comes to this idea of rhythm. Um, We do have a lot of choice there over how we spend our time. And so really looking at your priorities and living in line with your priorities. Well, and, and you know, what you're saying is you have to manage your time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we all struggle with. It's mm-hmm. and you hit the first point on the head. Learn to say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> that, like, that controls your time in a way that nothing else does. That's true. Yes, that's good. I have one client that schedules self care breaks during the day, mm. and that you know, it, honestly, they'll schedule a fifteen minute self care break in the morning and fifteen minute in the afternoon. And if mm-hmm. it's not, if if that client doesn't schedule it, it does not happen. That's a great practice sense. I mean, I, yes, I, I think we could all need to be that intentional about our self-care. And you mentioned it earlier that self-care, I mean, sometimes we think of that as selfish and self-indulgent. And, and I'm not talking about going to the spa every single day, even though that's good and healthy at some point. I'm talking about like what you're saying, taking 15-minute break just to let your mind rest, let your body rest, and do something totally different or something totally creative that, that can then give you the energy that you need in order to keep going. Well, and it's, you know, if you ask yourself, you know, when you're trying to decide whether or not I'm going to do something, does that align with my core values and my, and my beliefs? Mm-hmm. Because a mm-hmm. lot of times we don't realize that it does not and we're, right. until we're in the middle of it. Then we're angry at ourselves for for saying yes, and Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. angry at the person for asking us. So just that, you know, as a first step in a yes or no process, does this align with my core values and beliefs? Because if it doesn't, I think it's a waste of time. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. (laughs) And that's time is something that nobody has enough of. Right. <laughs> it's just nobody has enough time. It doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. anything. We all want more time. Mm-hmm. That's right. So when you think of, you know, you teach, and I mentioned in the beginning, you keep, teach some classes, and the mm-hmm. one that just really intrigues me is soul care. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Is that this? Because to me, that's probably different than self care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there are some differences, I'd say. Um, 
Well, now I'm talking about soul care and I'm talking about the soul. I'm talking about it's just the very core essence of who you are. So that includes, you know, mental, emotional, physical, just, just the whole thing, the whole essence of who you are. And so how do we best care for that deep, deep part of ourselves? How do we pay attention to our heart? How do we pay attention to our that inner world, um, which includes our self-talk, like you talked about a lot, and includes our emotional health? Um, and it often includes some hard work, like grieving losses, processing hard things. And so that's why I would send people to you, <laughs> um, someone that's trained to help people to to process different things in their lives and hard things that are in their lives. But all of that is for the goal that we can flourish, because I think God created us to flourish, to live in relationship with Him, and have deep, satisfying relationships with other people as well. And so this all kind of encompasses soul care, because we're designed for connection, so it definitely involves our relationships with other people. Um, but caring for your soul is just caring for that deep, deep core part of who you are, or not part, but the the whole of who you are is soul care. So there's really no realm that it doesn't touch, I'd say. I like that because it it's you started off talking about how it's we have to be holistic with yes. our with our care for ourselves mm-hmm. so that we don't get burnt out. Mhm. That's right. With with do you find that people have a hard time grasping? I mean, it's the mind, it's the body, it's the spiritual mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's that that connection between all three. Right. And do you see your students struggling with that? I do because you know our our world kind of um, can be in a superficial place lots of times, and so and it's also we're just so busy. We talked about that before. We're so busy and we're so bombarded with different things that are taking our attention all the time, and so. What one of my favorite, um, well, he's a psychologist and he's a neuroscientist, and so he's kind of got both going on. And he he has this great line that says, "Pay attention to what you pay attention to." And so, just this idea that where we put our attention, whether or not we recognize it or not, really impacts how we spend, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about life, the decisions that we make, the way we maybe self-protect when we engage with others or the way that we give freely of ourselves to others. Um, and so paying attention to that inner world that we have is so important, but yet so difficult sometimes because it takes time. It takes some space. It takes, you know, seasons of silence and solitude in order to, to really give your soul space to tell you what is going on, if that makes sense. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we've got about five minutes left in the show. And from a resource standpoint, are there things I mean, we all have uh, tools or, or resources that we find useful or books? Mm-hmm. Are there any resources that you would like to share? Sure. Yes. There's a couple authors that I really appreciate. And one of them is the guy that I just mentioned. His name is Kurt Thompson. And one of the books that he's written is called The Anatomy of the Soul. And so um, it's a lot about what we've been talking about as far as paying attention and striving and the fact that we all really desire deep connection with other people and meaningful relationships and meaningful work. 
But different things in our lives get in the way, and burnout is one of those things. He's not specifically talking about burnout, but this is when someone's doing some of the deep inner work that's required um, to truly thrive in life, I think this would be a great resource. Um, Another person that I really love is Brene Brown. Um, Oh, I love her. She's my go-to girl. (laughs) Yeah, I love her too. She's All her work on shame and vulnerability and connection and wholehearted living. I just, I really, any book that she has, I had bought and read and absorbed and tried to incorporate into my life. So um, that's somebody else I recommend. Trying to think of other. I I got her new book for Christmas. Now I haven't had a chance to read it or to open it, but it's, it's waiting for me. It's caught, it calls to me. It speaks to me on a regular (laughs) basis. (laughs) Yes, I need to get it to you and make the time to read it. But, you know, thank you for bringing her up because The Gifts of Imperfection, that mm-hmm. is one of her books that, that I read that I and I have used. I have used time and time and time again to help people understand that there is no there's no perfect there. There's right. not a perfect solution out there at all. Yeah, and I mean, she's she is definitely I can't think of a better person to mention at the end of the show, because if you only remember a few things, remember, remember what you learned at the end of the show. We've got a couple <laughs> of minutes. Let's summarize. What are the takeaways for people around burnout? Yes. OK. Um, well, just quickly, the definition of it is, you know, basically an easy definition to remember is it's energy depletion without commensurate renewal. So you're you've just poured out too much, but you're not getting poured back into. And so how do we, what do we look for when that comes along? We look for physical signs, which is our body telling us that we're um, having health, having health issues such as headaches and stomach cramps and acne and things like that. Mentally, we're distracted. Emotionally, we're numb. Vocationally, our productivity is dropping. Relationally, we have little joy in our relationships. Spiritually, we may be self-medicating rather than getting renewed. So it's this holistic thing. In order, in order to address those things, we have to address it holistically. And one of the primary ways to do that, and then one of the best ways to do that, is through community. So having people around you to help you remember who you are, that your identity is not tied up in perfectionism or people-pleasing or your work or anything like that, but that you're valuable. And to because we want to live wholeheartedly. And so the last thing that I really want to highlight again is just it doesn't mean that you're weak or a failure, that you can't handle stress and pressure. It just means that you're human. And as human beings, we have limits. So how do we embrace those limits in order to live wholly and wholeheartedly? Well, thank you for, for bringing that point up again, because that is what I've heard time and time again. Oh, I'm a failure. You know, if I'm burnout, <laughs> I'm a loser. And you're not. And right. people have to I tell people you have to lean into it. You can't, exactly. you can't walk around it. You can't jump over it. You just right. got to lean into it and accept it. And by doing that, you'll come out on the other side. And we're yeah. all, it's okay to not be okay. And we're at some point in our life, I honestly believe we're all going to not be okay. Right. And we have to accept that. Some of us, you know, I I believe that God is a big part of that. There's many Mm -hmm. things that we can do. But thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing your perspective with me today. I've learned I look at burnout a little bit differently than I did Mm -hmm. before we started. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for having me. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, 